CHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Is there any way to sort out the confusion surrounding the purported buy-in doomsday prophecy of 2012? Can we be sure that something will happen to the world on or about December 21st? Can we be sure that nothing will happen? Hello there, and welcome to the 348th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And those timely questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So today we dive back into the cheery question of the Mayan prophecy and the alleged end of the world or at least uh, the end of an age as we know it, uh, before this year is out. So uh, when you come down to it, we all have a horse in this race, so to speak. So the question is important. We have two distinguished authors on the show today, both of whom have been with us before. Taking them alphabetically, we have Dierlan, author of Heaven's Wave, a novel of the Doomsday Prophecy of 2012, one of the few novelists we will have on the show because he knows his subject. Dierlein has spent much of his life in serious academic studies of theology, political science, and history, particularly those of the Mayans. He spent over 30 years in banking and holds a degree from the American Institute of Banking. He is now retired and is dedicating more time to his writing. Also with us is Dr. Christopher Keating, a professor of physics with 20 years' experience, having published several scientific papers. His experience as a teacher includes nearly all topics in undergraduate physics, space science, and astronomy, he also served for, has also served for over 30 years in the U.S. Navy and Naval Reserve, working principally as an analyst in naval intelligence. His years of duty included service in the physics department of the U.S. Naval Academy and mobilizations for Operations Desert Storm, Enduring Freedom, and Iraqi Freedom. He lives in Texas. His book is Dialogues on 2012, Why the World Will Not End. Uh, dear Alon and Dr. Keating, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. Glad to be Thank here. You. Thank you. Yes, very glad to be here. All right, so let's kick this off, gentlemen. Uh, let's begin with uh, each of you stating your position about the Mayan prophecy and its relevance to the year 2012. Uh, after that, my dad and I will state several questions. Uh, then the two of you can have an open discussion. So oh. first, <laughs> right, Erlon, I'll, I'll, what, I'll, I'll start, Chris, if that's all right. You can. I'll, I'll be fine. Okay. Uh, as I said last time, and I, and I don't know if this is getting across to a lot of people, and I, I state this in my book, I do not believe, nor did the Mayans believe, that the world will end in 2012. The actual prophecy says, uh, as, as, best it can be uh, as best it can be interpreted, uh, that the world as we know it will end in 2012. And, and, of course, the world always ends. I mean, every century it's different than the world before, markedly so. Uh, but... Uh, the Mayans think that this particular time will mark a, ve a vast difference in, uh, in human existence on the Earth, but not the end of the Earth itself. And that's, I state that in my book, too, by the way. Okay. Uh, Dr. Keating? Well, I disagree. Uh, the Mayans didn't predict anything. All they did was they have a calendar, and the Mayans believed that at the end of these calendars, uh, history would repeat itself over and over. They believed in the cycles. <clears throat> they never predicted the end of the world. They never predicted the end of the world as we know it. And I, I don't like when people come and say that the world's going to end because there's positively no science at all to support anything like that. 
But I always think that this term, the end of the world as we know it, is kind of like a cover your rear end type thing. Because, <laughs> as Daryl once said, the world as we know it changes, ends almost every day. Uh, you know, the, the world as we know it ended on 9-11. The world as we know it ended with the fall of the Soviet Union. The, the world as we know it ends with every presidential election. So, you know, that's really a very convenient thing to say. And it kind of, you know, it just covers yourself. So you can come back later and say, see, I told you so. Okay. Now, before we go on, I, I'm, I'm correct in, this, in understanding that you have read each other's books. Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay, okay. All right. Just wanted to get that clear. Now, what I did a book. I enjoyed yeah. it. But it's a fiction. Yeah. It is uh, a fiction. I, I, I say that right in the beginning of the book. But go ahead. Absolutely. You do. Okay. I'll give you credit for that. You do say that. Okay. Uh, would either of you care to comment on all the talk about recent, and I mean very recent discoveries that the Mayan calendar does not, in fact, end this year? And and uh, I guess well, I, guess, I don't know. It was was it the, this this uh, room? Yeah. Well, they they found it. It looked more like a cavern, and it had like another like calendar on it that said that like basically disregarded what the other Mayan calendar said. It's all very confusing. I can't remember where it was. Yeah, if you but... want to comment on that. Well, the, using the word confusing with the Mayan calendar is rather redundant. Let's be clear. <laughs> right. the, the Mayans had over 60 calendars. They had calendars for everything. And we don't really know what all of these calendars mean. Uh, we don't know when they occur. One of the things is a, we have a problem with is this thing called correlation. And so we go and we look at the calendar, the Mayan language, and we say, okay, we have these dates. What do those dates correlate to in our calendar, in our Gregorian calendar? So we have some specific date. Was that, uh, you know, 1000 AD? Was it 800 AD? And we don't really know. There's a correlation called the GMT calendar, which is the most popular one, but it's in very much dispute. And the fact is, we don't, we don't know for sure when these main Mayan calendars uh, cycle over, when they correlate to our calendar. So to say it's confusing, absolutely. That's, you know, it, that's an understatement. Well, let me ask you both this, and, and Dierlan might, might uh, I know he might be able to talk about this as well. Aren't the, the Mayans are not an extinct tribe. And a lot of people think they are. They're still around. In one form or another, they're like many of our tribes in the United States. They're, they're uh, not a, they're prominent anymore, but they're still there and their tradition exists. Is it not true that, that many of them are talking about, or maybe I'm wrong, are talking about this, this calendar and some sort of change, or, or are they just getting in on a good thing? Neither of you, you know, both well, of Well, I'll start on that one. Yes, there are more Mayans. In fact, there were probably more Mayans around than there were during the classical period, uh, Count all the Mayans in uh, the four major countries they're in, um, and yes, uh, you're quite right, Chris. They did have uh, well, I wouldn't say 60. I, I, I come out with about 38 major calendars they had, but only four that they used all the time, and only one that they used for uh, solar or astronomical uh, time. Uh, but uh, but in any case, uh, most of the the Mayan shamans are priests today. And they have a disadvantage, by the way. Modern Mayans have a great disadvantage in that the conquistadors wiped out all of the people who were learned in their ancient uh, classical period. They, they slaughtered them all. 
uh, and they burned all their books and killed anyone who could read and write. So the, the Mayans who exist today and their shamans are exist only on traditional uh, knowledge, which has been passed down verbally from generation to generation. Uh, but based on that, uh, you are quite correct. And 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 I again I, I state that in my book that they they don't say the world even the modern shamans don't say the world is going to end. But I'm going to have to fall back, and you're quite right. It's not a cop-out with me, but it's what they say. Uh, many of the shamans today say that the world is going to be drastically different uh, by the time we drift into 2012. They're drastically different. They, they aren't talking about just another presidential election or something. They're talking about the way li basic life is lived on Earth, with a, a tremendous change within the next 12 months. Uh, but so, they don't say, they're quite right, they don't say the world is going to end, and I... I say that in my book. It's not going to end. It's not going to go poof. At least I don't think it is. You never know. All right, so Dioran, how could the uh, Mayans have known that anything specific would happen in 2012? That's a good question. Uh, how did 20 other ancient civilizations say basically the same thing for for the same time period between 2010 and 2020? Uh, you've got uh, 21 ancient cultures. Mayans just being one of them, would say basically the same thing for the same time period. Only one of them, by the way, and I believe it's the ancient Maoris, whose tradition says that in this time period, poof, we are going to end, but that's they're, they're an anomaly. <laughs> they're for, they're for, out of whack with the others. The Maoris uh, from New Zealand. Uh, yes, correct. The Maoris from, from New Zealand. Okay. Uh, but the others, uh, I, I don't know, uh, other than to say that, you know, the Mayans, uh, uh, the ancient Sumerians, uh, the ancient uh, Indus River Valley civilization and the ancient Chinese were all amazing astronomers, and, and they, they tracked the cycles and the repeat cycles of the Earth, and, and they evidently came up with, there's going to be a repeat cycle here, but it's going to be a big bump repeat cycle. That's, that, I don't know, and neither do the modern Mayan shamans, because all of their ancient books were burned. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Dr. Keating, how could you know that anything specific will not happen in 2012? Okay, so the first thing we need to do is go back and look at everything he just said. And it's true, Dierland is not one of the people saying that the world is going to end. But there are a lot of people out there who are. And they come out with all of their predictions, and they say it's going to end for this reason or that reason. You can go and look at every single one of these, these claims, and you can see that they are absolutely false. But then you get on this track... <clears throat> And something Duerlon just said illustrates the point. <clears throat> Twenty cultures did not say that the world was going to change like he claimed. <clears throat> I've been investigating this claim, and what I find out, the only thing I can find on this is that the only people claiming this are the Mayanists, the people claiming that the world is going to end. There is no scholar. I cannot find any scholarly claims that all of these different cultures said the world was going to end. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Yeah, we're all here. <clears throat> the only one that I can find that's even close is the Hindus. The Hindus did apparently, uh, with their site and their calendars and their uh, religious articles, did have something about this time frame. But all these others, the, they simply did not exist. They don't, they didn't happen. <clears throat> and this is something that has started on the web and has just grown its own its own uh, life. 
there is no evidence to support claim that 20 different cultures all said that the world was going to end in 2012. Uh, so, you know, that's the first thing. And that's, that's the whole trick to all of this, is whenever you get a claim, take it apart. Go and look. Okay, you said this. Let's go out there and verify it. And I don't mean go and find some blog, you know, 2012theworldsgoingtoend.com. <clears throat> go, go to the university websites, the, the scholars and all of this stuff. First, another point, these people were not great astronomers. I get tired of hearing that. They, were not, they weren't even very good stargazers. And that's what they were. It's basically, they're stargazers. They went out and they looked at the skies every night. And that's what they did for centuries. They looked at them every night for centuries, and they would go and record what they did. Now, part of the, remember, we we're talking about the correlation with the calendar. Well, mm -hmm. one of the problems we have is that we go and we take the astronomical observations that they made, and we try to go and correlate those to real astronomical observations. And the problem is, is that they don't match. <clears throat> so they weren't that good. They, you know, they would go and record things pretty good, but not precisely. And so we can't go and say, okay, you know, Venus was at, at rose at this time on this date, and we can go and look and see what dates in history that occurred. Well, they weren't that good. They were, they were very good uh, stargazers, and the Mayans had a great uh, ability because they could read and write. And that was very unique. Uh, that was a, a great uh, development for the Mayan culture. And Dierlon is, is correct when he talks about how the conquistadors uh, wiped all that out. And one of the greatest crimes in history was burning all of these books, uh, apparently thousands and thousands of books. And they just literally took them out and threw them in bonfires and burned them. Well, unfortunately, it was the Franciscans as well as the conquistadors, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, it was, we, yes. It was the auto de fe from the Spanish Inquisition. So it was the Franciscan, the monks, yes, who were, they were yeah. traveling with the conquistadors. Right. Okay, well, we are about to take a break, but I wanted to, uh, first of all, compliment you gentlemen. You know, the modern, uh, I don't know whether you can call this a debate, but the modern definition of debate is uh, has deteriorated to the point of you're wrong, no, you're wrong. Gentlemen are using facts, and I think we uh, th that that's according to the high tone we try to maintain for this show. We do appreciate that. So in any case, uh, we, are, we will continue with Deerlon's response after our break. And you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. We will be right back with our great debate, I suppose, about the year 2012 and its implications. Stay with us. So what are you thankful for? The I'm Thankful Network explores the positive. Join host Sue Lundquist, Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time. Empowering women, empowering lives. The I'm Thankful Network on New Sky Radio. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, the Dr. Pat Show is alive with a distinctive blend of interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Get in the know. Following Dr. Pat, join host Laura Lee for Laura Lee's Spirit Salon. Contact your dearly departed spirit guides and angels to find answers, closure, guidance, insight, revelations, and prophecy regarding matters of the heart by contacting the other side through acclaimed medium Laura Lee. You are not alone. Batter up. 
Life's a game. Win. Call and get advice from today's top coaches that are here to help you win the game of life. The Coach Me Network is live starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. New Sky Radio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons. No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. And we are engaged in the definitive discussion on the issue of the 2012 Mayan prophecies or alleged Mayan prophecies. And it is the Yerlan's turn. So go right ahead, the Yerlan. Oh, uh... Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, yes, uh, 
Well, I, I do disagree uh, with Chris uh, about how many ancient cultures uh, said that the uh, the world was facing a, a great challenge in, in 2012 or, or sometime between 10, 2010 and 2020, actually. Um, I, I came up with uh, an ancient uh, religion in China, now defunct, but in uh, 600 A.D. they did predict that uh, actually they said 2011, which is past now, but they said the the world would uh, would re- rise in, in fire and man would scream uh, in this year and, and all would change. Uh, uh, the, a lot of the, people screaming. Well, <laughs> a lot of people are screaming. But uh, the ancient uh, Sumerians, particularly the priests in ancient Ur, uh, picked a time about 2015 uh, when uh, when the, the angels and animals uh, uh, would come down and uh, take over the earth from man. Uh, and, and we can just go on. The, the ancient Finnish... Uh, national poem uh, talks about a time about 2014 when uh, heaven will descend on earth and change everything we know of. Uh, and I, you, you, I, I can't even think of them all right now, but if it wasn't the entire culture, there was either either one of the main priests or, or uh, priestly sects or uh, one of the main soothsayers who, who made these predictions. Uh, and, and I do have them all uh, you know, written down. I don't have to read a whole list of them. But I do challenge you. Chris, I'd like to throw something back at you. Huh? And that's, that has to do with science itself. You know, when I was 15, I wanted to be either uh, a chemist or an archaeologist. An archaeologist, by the time I was ready for college, had sort of won out. And my first year in school, I, I dropped it. And, and I, in fact, I dropped the idea of being a scientist. You know, science is an ancient Greek word which refers to organized knowledge. And, and, there, and it was maybe my association with archaeology that, that turned me off to science in general. And, and, you know, scientists are human, and therein lies the problem. I was studying with someone, a Professor Lewis at the University of Hartford back then, an anthropologist, and he was telling me about all these ancient civilizations that they were coming up with back then. And, and they said, geez, we, we found a lot of these places that could be 12 or 15, a lot of cities that could be 12 or 15,000 years old. And the mainstream of archaeology would not even consider them. In fact, they rejected them entirely in, ex, um, just because they didn't go along with the, ex, the, uh, the accepted stream of archaeology back then. People had built, many archaeologists had built their entire careers on one theorem, and that was their life, and they would not change. Now, I'm not saying that's true with you. All I'm saying is, since since that has happened, uh, you know, you know, we we still have the um, the Fertile Crescent theory of the beginning of civilization. You know, e- Egypt, uh, Sumer, uh, and, uh, and and such. Um, but we now know. And in fact, uh, what is it? Gobekli Tepe in uh, Turkey has thrown everything in an uproar, and the mainstream of archaeology can't deny it anymore. There's a city in ancient Turkey which has been several times now proven to be at least 14,000 years old. They absolutely have, uh, have confirmed this. And there are now over 50 different sites around the Earth which are anywhere between 11 and 15,000 years old. And they can do this by, de- uh, by uh, carbon-14 uh, dating. And these are stone cities with some sort of writing in some of them and, and very advanced metalwork and carvings. And, but the mainstream of archaeology, although it's beginning to bend, you don't get most of the scientists, most of the archaeologists accepting it. 
and and I, I was turned off. I said, look, this is this is definite. I, I knew this 40 years ago. I said, this is definite. We know about this, but the science of archaeology would not accept it. And I've always had a problem, even with physicists. I have a long list of things which physicists have denied for the past century and a half, which we now use every day. So I, I have a big problem with the word science being organized knowledge. I say organized as, I think we should change it to organized as far as we know. Because every couple of centuries, we completely change what we know and accept as science. So what do you have to say about that, Chris? Well, what you're talking about is what's known as a paradigm shift. And that is certainly, some, some of what you're saying is certainly true. But you also have to take all this into perspective. You talk about how you can come up with this list of things that some scientists somewhere proposed and some scientists somewhere uh, denied it. Well, for everything that you come up with, I can come up with 100,000 things that someone came up with somewhere that turned out to be absolutely false. And, you know, there's, there's no problem at all documenting all of this. You can go out here any day of the week and find out it's still going on. Uh, keep in mind that any new discovery must incorporate what we currently know. You cannot go and take everything that we know and just say, hey, we're throwing that all in the garbage heap and starting fresh with a clean board. That doesn't happen. For instance, you take relativity. Relativity came along and changed the way we looked at everything. Well, we had Newtonian mechanics and Galilean mechanics. We couldn't throw those out because they had worked. Well, in fact, they fit perfectly into relativity. So we didn't have to throw them out. They were incorporated into this new discovery. Any new discovery we come up with must explain what we already know. And so that makes it very difficult to come and come up with some radically new thing. Carl Sagan used to say, uh, uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And that is an absolutely true statement. Well, to say that the science community resists change is not a factual statement at all. The science community... I'm going to disagree vehemently there, but go ahead. I'm going to throw something back in a minute, but continue. The science community, uh, from my personal experience, yes, I have run into some problems sometimes with individuals who don't want to hear new ideas. And that does happen in any walk of life. The scientific community as a whole tends to take uh, a, uh, a rational claim that has scientific evidence and is prepared to consider it. Now, you're talking about these cities in archaeology, but you know, human Homo sapiens are over 100,000 years old. You can go back 100,000 years. If you could go back in time, you could pick up a, a, a Homo sapiens baby and bring it to the future and put it in with modern babies and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It would be just like you and I. So we have been around for a long, long time. And we know this, this is, you know, it's well documented. We find all this evidence. To say that there's cities out there that uh, are, are older than what we thought, well, you know, that's, that really isn't that extraordinary of a claim. Would they be something new and, and exciting? Yes. And but does it take a while for people to go and 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 factually support that claim? That's also true. 
you can't just walk in one day and say, hey, I discovered a new city that's thousands of years older than anything anyone's discovered and expect everyone to go, hallelujah. That's not the way it works. Because like I said, for every guy that claims that and is right, there's a hundred thousand that come in and make those kind of claims and are totally wrong. Well, the question of our epistemology is central to our argument, but I did kind of want to get back to 2012. What what we know and how we know it or how we think we know it is uh, extremely important to the, to the discussion. But if, if we kind of work our way back to the 2012 issue, uh, Duralan, why don't you respond to what uh, Chris said and maybe you can kind of, <laughs> kind of lead us back to the uh, – uh, everything you've said is relevant, but maybe maybe back to the issue at hand. Well, I think it is relevant that because – what I understand what he's saying. He's saying because I, as a scientist, say there's no scientific validity to this, then he's saying, well, he doesn't have faith in the scientific uh, environment, the scientific community. A lot of people don't. Is that more? Am I? I don't want to put words in your mouth, Duralan, but is that correct? Well, it is generally, and 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 you brought something up. I'm going to have to mention because you brought it up, and and that is Einstein's theory of relativity. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I am not a physicist, Chris. But uh, doesn't that uh, state that you cannot go faster than the speed of light? That it is physically no. impossible to ex- to uh, exceed the speed of light? No, it doesn't say that. And that's okay. a misconception. What it says is you can't transmit information faster than the speed of light. You can move faster than the speed of light as long as you don't transmit any information doing so. Well, uh, and, and again, I bring that up because in Europe, very recently in Switzerland, the Swiss claim that they have propelled at least twice two particles faster than the speed of light. The particles actually arriving at their destination before they left because they did bend time in doing so. All right, sorry, on, that note, on that note, I'll have to uh, interrupt you, gentlemen. We have another break coming up. Uh, but we will continue our discussion after the break, of course, with Yerlan and Dr. Chris Keating. You are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. Our subject, 2012, yay or nay. We'll talk to you in a moment. Stay with us. Take CBS Radio The Sky with you wherever you go. Be sure to download the radio.com app today from your mobile marketplace. And when you really want to know more, 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 be sure to visit NewSkyRadio.com. Get in deep with exclusive articles and sky news. Get your weekly horoscope and the inside scoop on host events. Radio.com and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay connected. time of year Somewhere far away from here I feel fine enough I guess Considering everything's a mess There's a restaurant down the street Where hungry people like to eat I could walk, but I'll just drive. It's colder than it looks outside. It's like a dream you try to remember, but it's gotten in you. Try to scream, it only comes out as young when you try to see the one beyond your front door. 
Take your time to wait on to make you smile when you realize that a guy by side might take a while just to try to figure out what all this is for. It's the perfect time of day to throw all your cares away. Put the sprinkler on the lawn and run through with my gym shorts on. Take a drink right from the hose and change into some drier clothes. Climb the stairs up to my room. Sleep away the afternoon. Like the genie trying to remember when it's gone. Then you try to scream, but it only comes out as a yawn. When you try to see the walking on your front door. Take your time to wait out on your pinky smile. When you realize it got my side, might take a while just to try to figure out what all this is for. Try to figure out what all this is for. Try to see the world beyond your front door. Try to figure out what all this is for. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back, everyone. We're continuing our discussion with Dr. Chris Keating, physicist and teacher and author, and also author and mind expert and uh, our good friend Dierlon as well. And uh, I, I, I don't know where we should begin again. Because, uh, well, why don't you uh, let Chris, Chris explain what he just said to me? Go, go right ahead. Okay, during the break. Go ahead. Okay, so we were discussing these uh, claims of faster-than-light uh, neutrino observations. And, and I was explaining to uh, Darylon and DePaul over the break, this is actually a perfect example of what I'm, I claim. These incredible... Uh, claims were made that they were sending neutrinos faster than the speed of light. They're measuring them traveling from uh, from the CERN accelerator in Switzerland to detectors in Italy, and that the time that it took was faster than the speed of light. Now, what happened was that the scientific community immediately started investigating this. We didn't just blow it off. We went out there, and a lot of uh, people... Uh, went out there and worked on this and repeated the experiments, did investigations, looked at the data. Then the people in, in Switzerland did it again, came back with the same results. <clears throat> well, what happened was when we went and investigated everything, we found out that it was due to a loose cable connection uh, to the equipment in, in Switzerland. And so that explained everything. And, and unfortunately, the the guy in charge of the team that made this claim ended up losing his job because of all this. And so what we see is that, no, the scientific community did not throw all of these claims out. They didn't ignore it, but they required 
extraordinary proof for an extraordinary claim. And when we did go and investigate it, we found out that, in fact, it was uh, very explainable and it did not violate theory of relativity. But at the same time, we were prepared to accept that there was a violation of theory of relativity. If we could go and find a way to go and incorporate everything we knew, we are not averse to go and finding new things. That's why we're scientists. We are scientists are scientists because they believe there's new things to discover. I certainly wouldn't be a scientist unless I thought there was unknown things out there for me to discover. And so when we find these new things, at the same time, we can't throw out everything that we know. Well, the question is, do we really know anything? But anyway, I'm going to ask Dierlon, uh just to sort of steer us in another direction here. Uh, were you not in contact with astronomers and physicists who I suppose might be more on your side than, than on Chris's? Am I wrong about that? Well, yes, I, I was in contact with a man who's now passed on from Yale University uh, several years ago who was the head of the astronomy department who, who did think there was something very strange about the year 2012. He knew nothing, by the way, about the Mayan predictions, nothing. But he did say there would be some extremely unusual um, gravitational and, and geomagnetic uh, uh, fluxes through the universe which would cause a great, uh, a great disruption. Uh, throughout uh, the Milky Way, particularly the central Milky Way, uh, because they would be concentrated electromagnetic waves. And in that in that time frame, in, in that context, rather, I, I'd like to point something out, something that's just turned up in the last couple of, of months. It started with someone, if I could find his name here. I swear I'm developing Alzheimer's. Yeah, we all. <laughs> so do we. Uh, uh, we know we know anything. Professor Gordon of the British Astronomical uh, Society has said that over the next year, probably peaking, this is very interesting, probably peaking in December of 2012, we, the, the sun, and by, by the way, by the way, you said there's nothing unusual about the sun. There is something about the sun, and I've, I've got numerous uh, references to it here, Chris. The sun is having a fit uh, geomagnetically. Uh, no, Professor Gordon... Well, no, it's not. All right, Professor it's Gordon. Actually, it's actually says pretty that, quiet for solar maximum. Well, you're going to have to. Uh, you're going to have, yes, that's it. It's having a solar maximum, and it's throwing off CMEs, which are known as coronal mass ejections, and they are they are uh, supposedly going to be vastly stronger than they've been in centuries, and they're going to peak sometime between mid-December of 2012 and early uh, 2013. And this is backed up by a number of uh, different uh, places, particularly the, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, a federal agency. Uh, you've got, uh, I've got a, a whole bunch of people here. It doesn't really matter. I've got another uh, professor, David Alexander, now of Rice University, formerly of University of Glasgow, Scotland. All of them are saying that sometime in the next 12 months, we're going to be hit with CMEs, uh, coronal mass ejections. We're going to completely disrupt life as we know it on Earth. That, by the way, is Professor Gordon's statement, not mine. Because what these things do is they disrupt power grids, satellites, communications, GPSs, and every other type of electronic uh, device we have. The last type of CME of even 
minimal strength along this line was in 1859 when we had a, a burgeoning in Europe and in North America telegraph industry and telegraph lines. They completely wiped out. There was a big CME that year. Completely wiped them out for at least in some places a couple of days, in some cases a couple of months. It just wiped out the telegraph lines. Papers near the telegraph lines would burst into flame. Uh, many telegraph operators were electrocuted and all of this because of the coronal mass ejections by the sun. All of these people now are saying that the coronal mass ejections from mid-2012 to early 2013 are going to be at least 50% uh, stronger, perhaps three times stronger. They can't accurately predict it. But what, what do you have to say about that? It is a solar max, a maximum, but this is an unusual solar maximum, unusually strong. Okay, so I'll give you a little bit about my background. I am a space physicist, and I do my research in this exact area. The 1859 event that you referred to is known as the Carrington event. Yes, it is. And I have it right here. It's very famous uh, because it was the, the most massively uh, powerful solar storm that we have ever experienced. And so that was, you, you referred to it as a medium or minimum one. No, that was... That is the uh, the standard that all solar storms are measured by. Coronal mm -hmm. mass ejections are a routine event. They happen a number of times every day. The sun spits these out routinely. Uh, they, it tends to send out more of them during the solar maximum than during the solar minimum, but it can send them out at any time. We are entering a solar maximum. Contrary to what you have stated, all of the scientific evidence is that this is going to be a relatively mild solar maximum. In fact, what we see is that the sun is going through a quieting period uh, since, uh, well, for, for it, certainly during this, this space science uh, era, starting in, uh, you know, roughly 1960, uh, we've seen that solar activity is decreasing. Uh, the, sol the sun is actually getting more quiet and getting a little cooler. Uh, not greatly, just a little bit, just a tiny amount. Uh, so we expect that the solar maximum here is going to be relatively mild. Now, that isn't to say that we couldn't, in fact, be hit by a, a massive coronal mass ejection, but so what? The, the light from the sun reaches us in eight minutes. It's 93 million miles away. Even if these things were to travel at two million miles an hour, which would be very fast, it would take two two days for it to reach us. We would have a two-day warning period before one of these things hit us. There's lots of things we can do to prepare for it. We have, in fact, prepared for exactly these kinds of events. We have all of the protocols in place. We have a whole series of steps that we are ready to take in case we observe one of these things coming at us. And And understand, just because the sun sends one out, doesn't mean it's going to come at us. They go out in space and we never see them. So it takes a, a very specific set of situations uh, for one of these things to come and hit us and, and to have any effect on us. <clears throat> and we're ready. I mean, at the absolute uh, worst, what we could do is just go out there and shut off the power grid. And that would be very drastic. Yeah, I was just going to point out. I was just going to point out that... That would be economic chaos. You're talking about people even dying. But the fact is, is that after they pass, after a few hours, you can turn the power grid back on and everything's hunky-dory. We're ready for these kinds of things. 
Okay, were we ready in, in uh, 1989 when Quebec was knocked offline by a massive CME? No, in fact, the 1989 event is one of the ones that is classically pointed at as why we need to go and do these things. And you mentioned Quebec, but what you don't mention is the fact that the northeastern United States was connected to the Quebec, the Canadian power grid. And I have personally talked with a number of people in the power industry, and they tell me that was one of the worst nights of their life. <clears throat> they, you know, the things are tripping offline and they were going around and U.S. Northeast came within a hair of losing all of its power. That was a terrible night. <clears throat> and it's those kinds of events that have spurred us to sit down today and say, wow, we can't let this happen again, especially since we now know that the power grid today is stressed out much more than it was in 1989. And so we have things in place to go and, and address these kinds of issues. Okay, gentlemen, I'm going to have to interrupt you again. We have our final break of the show coming up. And we will be right back here on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, and our discussion of 2012. Stay with us. Thursday is a power-packed day here on the sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1 p.m., it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4 p.m., Colette Baron-Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron-Reed Show. The Colette Baron-Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo-woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron-Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. Powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic, and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate, and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New horizons, no boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, and uh, certainly to our 2012 discussion. And I wanted to give the Earl on just a few minutes to respond to uh, what Chris uh, said before the break. Uh, what did you say? We were just talking. <laughs> we were talking about sex, CMEs and power grids. Oh, yes. Uh, well, uh, by the way, you, uh, Chris, you'd better get a hold of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission because they've just, in February of this year, they issued a warning to all power plants in, in North America, not just uh, the U.S., that they should be prepared to be wiped off the, the grid uh, with no electricity for at least eight hours and perhaps as much as three weeks uh, uh, because of CMEs expected later this year. So uh, well, I don't know what protections we have, but that's certainly an ominous warning. No, it's not. That's In fact, that should be reassuring. We are getting ready for these kinds of things. We're prepared for the worst. Okay. Well, okay. on that note, I wanted to give you both a chance to talk about your books and what you're working on. Uh, Dearlon, go ahead. Uh, tell us about your book, where people can get it. Well, my, my, well, my book, Heaven's Wave, which I want to emphasize is fiction, but it does have, in, as, as I say, a lot of uh, a fact in it, particularly historical fact, can be gotten on Amazon.com. And that's uh, uh, Heaven's Wave uh, by, by Dearlon. And it is available on Amazon.com. Uh, what, am, what am I working on? Uh, I'm working on uh, two books simultaneously to back each other up. Uh, one is called The Revolutionist. Uh, I've, I've switched gears entirely here and gone into political science. And the other is uh, No More Ships West, which hopefully I'll have out by July. Uh, and that's a, uh, uh, it's a political, say, it is a nonfiction political science uh, narrative, let's say on uh, the dangers being faced by the West and the fact that the West must maintain its dominant position in the world, or our lives our lives will indeed change greatly, and it won't be from any wave from heaven either. Okay. All right, Chris, uh, tell us about your book and your website and what you're working on. I'm working on a, a book about climate, global climate change. Um, basically what I'm showing is that you don't even have to be a scientist anymore to prove that man-made emissions are changing the, the climate of the world. The amount of evidence is so devastatingly overwhelming that there shouldn't be any debate at all. It, it's only because the Saudis and the fossil fuel industry is, is fueling the climate wars that there's any debate at all. Uh, and uh, so I'm taking a two-pronged approach, two books also. One will be very similar to my Dialogues book, Same Three People, and it it's admittedly kind of a textbook. And so I'm also writing a second book uh, that's going to be a fictional book, uh, and it'll be uh, a historical fiction against the background of the climate wars. And, you know, give Dierlon a plug. Uh, I read his book, Heaven's Wave, and it is a, it's an enjoyable book. It's a, it's a thriller, and I, I really did enjoy it. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, as we proceed here, I'd certainly like to say this has been a marvelous discussion, and I'd like, I think Ben and I both agree we'd like to have you back Indeed. Uh, to continue this probably in uh, after, late September, as you suggested, during the break after we're back from Europe and after you're, uh, you're kind of settled and, and we can continue this. Because hey, as we, we said during the break, we have received, uh, and, and Chris has received, I'm sure Dearline has heard this too, that 
there have been many parents, particularly, who are concerned that their children are, as Chris himself pointed out, are, are, are suicidal over the idea of the world ending in 2012. And, and uh, what do we do about that? How do parents address it? That's a very practical problem that we try to address on the show here. And also, uh, I would introduce another idea that we might want to consider uh, as part of our next discussion, and that's that uh, if such a change really was predicted, could it be non-scientific, or at least non-astronomical or, or, or non-physical in the sense that we've been discussing it? Could it be sociological or political? Many great changes are taking place. Some people would say that America is North America's version right now of India and Pakistan, culturally speaking. So could this be this be a factor as well? So I guess we don't know just, just yet, but we will continue. And I want to thank both you gentlemen uh, for a marvelous uh, discussion. And uh, I'll give you uh, – actually, we do have a few more minutes. So I want to give you uh, one uh, closing statement uh, of, of brief nature, if you uh, would care to, to go ahead and do so. Chris? Well, I, you know, I would like to go in reserve right now for December 22nd because <laughs> – Nothing's you know, going to happen, and I'll be glad to come on, on and tell you why it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, why don't we, we we should do that? Wait, is that a, okay. is that a Sunday? That's a Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there that's you go. Okay. Oh, there we go. All right, that's fine. That's fine with me. Okay, it's a date, guys. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's plan on that. Now, Dearlon, what do you think? Uh, what's your what's your final statement? My final statement is just remember, and and, uh, and and Chris backed this up in the beginning, that this is a fictional book. This is an exciting thriller. And uh, in order to, to back up my book, in many instances, I, I do cite as many scientific uh, facts as I could find on, on the subject. Uh, I do think we're in for some rough times, honestly, over the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, but, no, I, I don't think uh, that the world's going to end, and I, I think parents should start telling their children that I Believe it or not, I, I do know someone who's actually panicking about this, and, and despite the fact that I tell them there's nothing to worry about, they're worried, and I think it's... Tell them to read my book. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a subject we'll continue to address, and gentlemen, thank you very, very much for an excellent discussion. We'll look forward to the next one. Thank you. Thank you. You are most welcome. Okay, a couple of announcements, everyone. So my uh, dad and I will be speaking in, Tor uh, in Torrington, Connecticut on July 19th and Suffolk, England on September 22nd. So watch for more info on those events at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And speaking of Suffolk, England, the Rendlesham 2012 conference is taking place on June 17th in the village of Woodbridge. Get your tickets at www.rendleshamufo.com. And also I want to point out, of course, you can check out my books, as well, there are four uh, modern ones, so, so to speak. One is about history, and one is three are about the paranormal. Uh, on BNN Nook, Barnes and Noble Nook, and Kindle as well. They're both available on that. Websites, of course, contact us through behindtheparanormal.com, and you can also find out about guests, uh, past, present, and future. So many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we will see you next week, July, uh, June 30th. I'm skipping ahead a month, or June 3rd, when my dad and I will host an open line show to dive into that ever-growing stack of emails. Indeed, and please, uh, when you write to us, if you use the form on our um, website, please try and keep the, uh, the, the, the comments and the questions to a minimum of words because some of them, they just get so long that they're, they're difficult to deal with yes. in one show. So in the meantime, tune into our Providence Boston Drive Time show on WON 1240 AM and com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. Don't forget, you can get free podcasts of all our shows 
along with show schedules and guest information at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And we leave you with another thought from old Mark Twain. A person with a new idea is a crank until the idea succeeds. So thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time.